those lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast on Calcio at the highest level. I'm Frank Crivello, and joining me as always is fellow Calcio consultant Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well. Uh, I've got a different beer this time. I had the Anchor Steam going last week. This week I've got the Oberon Ale, which is uh, uh, from the good people at Bell's in Comstock, Michigan. Um, they're getting free promotion here. I can't see them be getting mad about this, but uh, it's, a, it's, it's a good beer if it ever gets out your way in uh, out there in Washington. Yeah, I've, ha- I've had it. Um, I had this before the pod. I had a Stone IPA, really good, uh, really good IPA. But now, I'm, now I'm drinking a little bit, something a little more healthier. I'm drinking a little bit of water. So <laughs> hydration, hydration. Uh, good for you. Good for you, smart man. So. Um, and drinking in celebration a little bit here. Uh, at long last, Juventus finally figured out how to win this Serie A. I can't believe it took them 37 match weeks with the team that they had. Uh, but uh, congratulations to the old lady. They actually have done the double for the third straight season because they also won Coppa Italia on Wednesday, beating Lazio uh, by two goals to nil. Um, you know, Richard, I mean... This was a formality. There really was never any doubt. But does it surprise? Did it surprise you that it took Juventus this long? Yeah, I mean, we we, we both thought that Juventus won the title when they signed Iguain, um, and eventually did prove to see that. But it took them that it took them a long time. Um, all credit though has to go to Roma and Napoli for you know keeping it close. Oh yeah, uh, because it could have been over you know maybe by January. But uh, give all credit to them. But you know. Juventus finally did it. They finally got their their. I know Allegri was pushing the guys today or this week about getting it. You know, they said they got the Copitelli out of the way. They want to get the Scudetto out of the way now. So kudos to them. Yep, uh, two down, one to go. That Champions League final. We will have a preview of that final against Real Madrid uh, in next week's podcast. Uh, uh, first Italian side to win the treble since Inter Milan did it in 2010. Um, Give me your overall impression of this Juventus team. I mean, it was dominant, but it's not dominant in the sense that what you see from some of these other teams um, that go out and just, you know, destroy people five with five or six goals a game. You know, Barcelona, when they were at their peak, um, you know, I, the, the Chelsea uh, under Ancelotti, when he had that diamond midfield and they were going out and scoring seven, eight goals a game, it seemed. Um, you know, Juventus isn't... Even with uh, Gonzalo Higuain and even with Paulo Dybala, you know, rising to prominence, this is a team that was very happy with just going out and doing their business and winning most games 2-0 or, or by two goals. Yeah, no, it's, they're, you know, those other teams, they, they would just blow people away. Juventus were just keen on getting the victory. They didn't, they didn't care about blowing, getting the results. Now, they're out of all those teams you mentioned, they've been, they may have been the most or may be the most, uh, impressive as far as you know playing in the big games you know the champions league games all the games that people thought are going to be they're going to be close they end up winning big time um so they really hadn't had too much of a challenge this year it, it took them a while to find their way uh, but finally when allegri switched to that 4-2-3-1 putting Mandzukic there on the left wing and have uh Iguain up top that you know that kind of uh, got them in the right mentality you know they had all their players play on the pitch at one time um, and that finally got them to the point where they needed to be to start uh, dominating these games, especially in, in, in Champions League and stuff. It's a, here's the interesting question for me, because I was thinking about this as well after Juventus wrapped this up in the win against Crotone, and we're going to get into their game recap. 
who's the most valuable player on this team? <laughs> it's tough. Uh, for me, Mario Mandzukic. Um, it, it, to me, it's by a mile, too. His work ethic kind of pushed everybody else on the team to play better. Um, you can say Alexandro um, Cuadrado was pretty good. I mean, obviously, Dybala, who's fantastic, and, and Iguain. But for me, my money, it was Mandzukic, just because his work ethic, his work rate, um, it made it just made everybody else better. It forced it. Everyone saw this guy who's been, you know, been labeled in his career as a lazy, lazy striker. He's going up and down the pitch, doing everything he can for the team. Uh, when other guys see that, that only makes everyone else better. It makes everyone else push. You, you don't want to be lazy with this guy going up and down the pitch. So uh, for me, my money, it's going to be Mandzukic. Really? Maybe you're making a push for him to be in the team of the season. We're going to be talking about Maybe. that here Maybe. next week. You never know. That's you never right. know. Uh, a little teaser. You, you know, I know a lot, a lot of very good uh, wide players in this league this season. So, I'll tell you uh, one thing, though. He's not going to be my flop 11. Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So, uh, I don't think any Juventus player is making the flop 11. So, uh, for that matter, you know, I, I'm going to just go with where the solidity lies, and I'm going to go with Leonardo Benucci yes, um, yes. as the most valuable player of this team. Because, I mean, when you look at in a league that we've said it all season long, week after week, this is not your father's Serie A. There's just goals all over the place. Uh, one of the highest scoring seasons in Serie A that I can remember. Uh, you know, great attacking play. Some of that's helped because there are some pretty poor defenses in this league. But to be through 37 games and only concede 26 goals, somebody has to have something to do with that. Um, and Leonardo Benucci is a constant, you know, in the latest of great Italian defenders. Uh, you know, when you, you know, I just did the Pieces of Me podcast and I got to reflect on all of these great uh, Milan defenders in that in that space. You know, we're talking about, you know, Barzali, Bonucci, and Chiellini, who are Juventus, and then they're Italy, and then they're Juventus, and of course with Buffon and goal. But, you know, Leonardo Bonucci has been the constant. He's kept himself fit the entire season. I think he's, he missed a, a, a short part of the season, if I'm not mistaken, halfway through. I think he had an injury. Um, but he was only out for a few weeks. Uh, you know, Chiellini... You know, they did without in some games. Barzali did it without with some game, did without in some games. But, you know, as far as defenses, he's, you know, he's been as much of a constant as Gigi Buffon has. Um, you know, does tackling. Great passer from his yes, position. Absolutely. Too. He's one of the best uh, passers from the defense standpoint. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think that for me, if I had to put an MVP uh, on this Juventus team, I would give it to Leonardo Bonucci. And he also um, scored goals. I mean, look at the Coppa Italia. He yep. scored a goal there, you know. Yep, so. scored in the Copa, scored in the Copa final, definitely deserved. Um, you know, I think he had, um, he had a, he, you know, he had a couple of goals. He had the goal that got the point at Udinese. Uh, One of the goals of the season there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I've never seen, I've never seen an Italian defender jump that high. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but it was, uh, it was his, it was his consistency back there, along with obviously the leadership of Gigi Buffon, but. You know, I, I'm going to give some credit here to Leonardo Benucci. In, a, in an era where we're always trying to find who's the attackers that get all the credit, you know, a team that has only conceded 26 goals in a very high-scoring league this season, you know, somebody on that defense has to ha- has to get some love, and for me, it's Benucci. Okay. Um, so I uh, b- won't argue with you on Mandzukic either. You know, and that's just the beauty. This is this Juventus team. I mean, there's 11 men, there's 11 parts, and each person plays their part, and they play it well. 
Um, you know, there's nobody that really outshines the other. Um, so that's why I asked the question because it's it is it's hard to it, it's hard to ponder. Some, you know, one of our listeners might say Paulo Dybala, and I I won't argue with that either. Um, you know, another might another might say Dani Alves, especially with what he did down the stretch in the Champions League and uh, scoring in the Copa final. Uh, you know, there's 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 plenty of plaudits to go around uh, with this Juventus team, and then somebody might even say, hey, Gigi Buffon, the goalkeeper that um, kept some of the best attacks in Europe quiet for 690 straight minutes. Um, you know, he's the goalkeeper, he's the leader, he's the captain, uh, he's the MVP of the team. So lots to lots to go around as far as credit. Yep. Um, but six straight Scudetto, Scudetti, uh, three straight doubles, and all three doubles under the watch of Massimiliano Allegri. I think that's a record, um, isn't it? I believe it is a record. The six in a row I know is a record. Um I mean, we talked about him like on our very first podcast. We were asking about Massimiliano Allegri, and I said he's he's you have to give him credit. He's one of the best managers in Europe. Uh, is he the best? Um, is he you know is he in that elite category? And would you say just on this and just on getting him and getting Juventus into two Champions League finals in three seasons? Uh, time to start saying that he's he's the best manager in the game right now. I saw an article today or a post today on Twitter where someone said with his third double in a row, he now surpasses uh, Antonio Conte as the best manager in the world. I sat back for a second, thought about it, and I'm like, I agree. Um, By a tactical standpoint, he is the best. And I thought this before the season. It's because what what he did in the past in Champions League and other games. um, But what he's able to do this season and, and the last couple, you know, the last three seasons really um with you know battling through injuries with the t- through his team and and this and that um he's the best and every year he's lost players you know some of his best players you know to transfers and the team's gotten better the next year i mean this past you know they lost you know pogba and pirlo and everyone and vidal and people think oh well that's the end of juventus they come back and they're even better than they were before than the last time they're in the finals um he just keeps building his team and they're playing the way he wants he's getting everyone to commit um, for me, he's the best best manager in the world right now. Now, I, and it's hard for me to say as a Milan fan because you know how much you and I love Ancelotti, but uh, I think Allegri right now is the best. Yeah, I mean, and there's a little envy there because this yeah, is what he yes. should have been allowed had allowed the opportunity to do at Milan, and just was sad how Berlusconi and Galliani scapegoated him for the problems that Milan started to have when everybody left. Um, you know, and uh, as as fans. We got short-sighted and blame it on the coach. But, in you know, after a while, you take a step back and you realize, I mean, you know, <laughs> his last season at Milan, he was tasked with, you know, trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And you, <laughs> and it was an impossible task. Um, you know, and, and Berlu, Berlu, Berlu and Galliani made him a scapegoat. Um, and then went through this merry-go-round of managers, and now we've got Montella, but that's another conversation. But now he's getting the opportunity to work at a club where he's got the backing, where he's got the resources, he's got the opportunity, and he is maximizing whatever he has to work with every single time. Um, and uh, I think that makes him the best manager in Europe. I think that, um, you know, I think he edges out Antonio Conte. Uh, but I think that I, I think he puts himself ahead just because of the track record records he's been able to establish 
um, at the old lady. Uh, you know, three straight doubles is that's that's impressive stuff. Um, you know, and it is his team now. It's not Conte's team anymore. Uh, there's been there's been several players that left when you know that was under Conte's watch. Uh, so he, to, to have the ability to be able to keep it going uh, is really impressive. And, um, you know, you can't say enough. They're champions. Uh, it took them a little too long for my, for my liking. Uh, but, you know, that's a credit also to Roma and Napoli, who kept a lot of pressure on them. And uh, you were waiting week after week to see if Roma or Napoli were going to fall by the wayside at some point with all of the mentality issues and the things we talk about they never did. Um, so credit to them for getting this to week 37 where Richard and I were, you know, a little more cynical and saying this is going to be over by about week 29 or 30. Um, so, uh, you know, so credit to the challengers, Roma and Napoli. So, you know, let's move on. Let's talk about this Juventus v Crotone game. This will be the start of our match recaps. Uh, obviously a party atmosphere at the J they were expecting it. Playing against a Crotone team that was in very good form and uh, a wounded animal and a desperate team right now trying to uh, get out of the bottom three and has gotten themselves to within a point um, from safety. Uh, so certainly Juventus wasn't going to take this lightly, and it was reflected in the lineup that Allegri put out there. Uh, it was as close to as best as possible. Benatia did start in the center of that defense alongside Benucci, where I think many would have preferred the likes of the Chiellini. Uh, but, um, nonetheless, they made it work and, uh, the party got started and, tw and it only took 12 minutes and, uh, Richard, who he, Richard banging the drum for this guy and he got on the score sheet on a cross from Juan Corrado. That man, Mario Mandzukic, who Richard is going to bug me all week about getting into the team of the season and bug Mark <laughs> about getting into the team of the season, scoring the first goal and getting things going for the old lady. Uh, and with about six minutes before halftime, what's a good party without wearing a nice mask? Paulo Dybala with a beautiful free kick and uh, doing a little Dybaling afterward, as we call it, the Dybala mask, <laughs> coming out and putting Juventus up 2-0 at this point. Party time, right, Richard? Oh, you know they had to be in celebration mode. It would have been a fun party to be there, even though we're not Juventus supporters. Just to be in an atmosphere like that, I'm sure it was just parties and drinks galore going around. Yep, and... Uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it was a formality at that point. Juventus had pretty much had the title one. Crotone did the best they could with what they worked, what they had to work with. Um, really, they generated, they were able to generate five attempts on target, four off target. But this was a game that was dominated by Juventus and cemented in the 83rd minute. Alexandro! Vediamo se la palla è entrata o no. Goal-line technology. Sì, è gol. È gol di Alexandro. Alexandro getting another goal and uh, a credit to all of the hard work that he's put in on that left-hand side for Juve. 3-0 uh, uh, was a formality probably before kickoff, but uh, the likes of Mandzukic, Dybala, and Alexandro certainly made it so. And Juventus are champions of Italy. They're Coppa Italia winners. One more piece of hardware to get, and it's one that has been not so kind to them through the years. Uh They've reached eight finals, Richard. They've done. Yep. They've won two. They've lost six. Um, but uh, I think we'll leave it at that. And 
make sure the listeners listen for our preview next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was uh, one team celebrating. Another team uh, getting a chance to celebrate and was uh, Richard and my favorite team, AC Milan. They, at the end of this, we thought maybe sixth would be a position that would get backed into. Uh, but after a very long and depressing drought, AC Milan is back in European competition. They will be in the Europa League. Um, a little bit uh, crazy for us to, for Milan fans to be celebrating a Europa League place, isn't it? Or tough is it times, just like tough times? Yeah, I mean, is it with with the with with winning seven European Cups and all of the Champions League success through the years to it still shouldn't be enough to just qualify for the Europa League for AC Milan. But I, given the way things have gone, this is a step. Absolutely. Baby steps, right? Um, you can't, you can't, you can't, as you were saying before, you can't make a, you know, salad out of, out of shit. Um, <laughs> the team, you know, has been poor for a long time and you can't expect the team to be in Champions League automatically. No, you gotta be in. If, I mean, you can probably if you buy them all, but you probably that team's not gonna last very long. You're gonna have to build this team from the bottom down, bottom up, um, and that's what it looks like they're doing right now. That, the, first, the most logical step is make Europa League um, next year. Next year, I can see them going for Champions League, and then be, maybe going Scudetto also. Um, depends on who they bring in. This is actually a big, big victory for them in the sense that they'll be able to draw much bigger players now with the Europa League. If they didn't have that, it'd be very hard to get you know names like a Balotti or a, not saying that he's coming or you know Abba Mayang. You forget those big names. You'd have to go a little. You go have the next tier down. But now that you're in a, it's not Champions League, but yes, it's still a title. So um, good for the guys. You know, if we didn't talk, if we didn't see efforts from John Mario Gasparini at Atalanta, Simone Inzaghi at Lazio, and then we can even discuss, you know, Max Allegri, Juventus, and even and Luciano Spalletti at Roma. And Deborah Inder. Oh wait, no. <laughs> I mean, there have been some there have been some very good managerial efforts here in Syria this season. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, going above and beyond. But um, one man who I don't think gets enough credit and is not getting talked about enough in that conversation is Vincenzo Montella. And a lot um, of that's from his own fans. Their own fans were pissed off and wanted him to go. We 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 saw you know Milan Twitter saying he needs to go. I'm like, really? Come on! He is doing a fantastic job. He has earned, and I said this in my restructuring Milan blog on, on the Calcio Consult, which you can find on WorldFootballIndex.com. Shameless plug of one of many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got a watered-down team to work with. He got a team that this looks like a team that is ready to be uh, under new ownership. Um, you know, and like you and I talked about in last week's pod, you know, a lot of um, a lot of weird contracts, a lot of cheap contracts, um, you know, with the exception of Baca, who I think was the only one who had three years left on his, on his deal compared to the rest of the roster who are down to two years or one year or something, you know, something to that extent. Um, you know, loanies on top of it. So I think he did an incredible job with what he was given to work with and what he was handed. Um, this is a team that could have folded and could have closed up shop after the Bonaventura injury in January. And there were spells in the season where we felt like that that was happening, but they got the resources and found the way to get to this sixth spot and qualify for European football. Um, I mean, just comment a little bit on Vincenzo Montella and the job he's done. You can look no further than he's, you know, 
Some managers take several seasons to imprint uh, imprint themselves on the team. He's done it within this first season. And how do you say? Uh, the fight that his this team has, you know, when they're down. Um, in the past, when they've gone one, two, three nil down, uh, the team has quit, and and it's, the scores just kept mounting higher and higher. Uh, with Montella teams, you know, he goes a goal down, two goals down, three goals. The team's fights, and you every time, anytime the team goes down a goal or two, you know, you just know that the, the Montella's team is going to come back and score a goal, or try to even, and even it up. Um, at that heart is. It speaks volumes about what Montella does. That's so hard to, you know, to to get the guys to believe in. And the fact that he's done it within the first season speaks volumes. But what kind of player, what kind of manager he is. Um, so now that he has, uh, he's gonna be able to have all his resources. Uh, it should be interesting to see what he can do because um, he has a lot of potential and he's had it for a long time uh, as a manager. Um, so maybe he'll be able to reach that potential that uh, everyone's been hoping he he can reach. And for me as a Milan fan, um, I, I'm I'm hoping he definitely gets the next season. So let's see. But yeah, he's um, the heart. It's the heart, man. He has earned the right to get the chance to work with a strengthened squad, which Milan will be a strengthened squad next season. I mean, it's 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 no secret some of the stuff that's already being discussed. Uh, you know, three already coming, though they can't really make it official uh, until after the season. But if you believe reports, Matteo Musacchio uh, coming from Villarreal, uh, you know, to be Romagnoli's uh, future uh, central defense partner. Frank Cassie coming from Atalanta, uh, you know, just a fantastic, the fantastic season that he had. Yes. And, uh, and just the endless potential he's got. And then, um, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez yes. coming from Wolfsburg. Uh, finally, a left back, uh, a natural left back that we can get behind and we can, uh, you know, get excited about. Milan fans can get excited about. So um, the money is getting spent. The team is certainly going to be a lot stronger. I'm curious to see what their preseason plans were before getting this spot because I touched on this on the Milan guys a couple of weeks ago. The team that's going to finish sixth have probably already made some preseason plans and planned on being in China or planned <laughs> on doing this or planned on doing that. Well, that they've got to be in a playoff that takes place end of July, beginning uh, over two legs. It's end of July, beginning yeah, of August. Exactly. So that kind of hampers things a little bit. Um, so some money is going to get lost, uh, but in the you know, but in the end, the just the opportunity to play in European football and for Milan to play in European football, I think that this ownership and management group will live with that and get get em, embrace this competition uh, you know as Milan returned to European football under their ownership I'm curious what they're uh going into next season what their goal is for Europa League are they going to look to win it are they going to look to just get out of the knockout or at least qualify or first qualify obviously uh to the group stage but is it going to be you know what's their goal going to be ultimately just get out of the group stage to win it all I want to hear what you know Montella and the management have to say to that so the summer should be interesting We'll know what the team they put out for the first game, uh, for the first leg, whoever they draw. Yeah. So uh, it, that'll be a uh, that'll be a very glaring indicator because if he's not putting their best team out there, then exactly we we know this is not a priority, and it's just like all right, it was great to qualify, but I think our goal is to make sure that's top four uh, because top four next season goes to the Champions League um, instead of top three. So uh, I think they're going to make it. I think that's going to be their focal point. So. We'll see. You know, the, uh, the the team that they put out in that first leg at the end of July is going to be the indicator. So uh, we'll see. So with that in mind, let's uh, get to the highlights of 
Milan's win over Bologna. And uh, this one had the uh, Rossoneri faithful a little restless. A little. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, struggling to get goals against this Bologna side, and it ended nil-nil at halftime. Uh, and then uh, Lapadula broke free and got the breakthrough and put Milan ahead 1-0, and there was some celebrating. And then we turn around and we see the linesman has his flag up. Yeah. So, uh, the goal was disallowed. I I don't think he was offside. Do you? I don't think he was offside. But but it it wouldn't have mattered because in minute sixty nine, you know, when I coached uh, when I coached soccer, one of my favorite things to train was the three man combination where the ball goes up, goes back, and then goes through. Yep. And Milan did it in clinical fashion, finished by Gerard Delufeu. Onda di Pasalic, pallone dentro, Deulofeu al volo! E questa volta il gol è buono! Deulofeu porta in vantaggio il Milan! What a chip from Mati Fernandez, though. I oh. still think he should I still think he should go. <laughs> this is a reason why I think he should stay. <laughs> <laughs> and then four minutes later, Keisuke Honda, yes, Keisuke Honda, gives Milan fans a parting gift before he heads off to MLS. He's going to MLS, right? Oh, yeah. He better yeah, not stay. I, he better yeah, not he's, stay. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. And then, of course, the cult hero of AC Milan closing it out in style and getting him that third goal, Gianluca Lapadula. Paletta. Palla dentro a cercare Mati Fernandez. Dentro in area. Il tiro e la Padula. Trova il 3-0. Finisce nel migliore dei modi per il Milan. Sealing off the three points for Milan and getting them to sixth, getting them qualified for the Europa League. Uh, in the end, a sigh of relief and uh, just overall, uh, as, as, as a fan, just very happy to see that they're associated with European football again, Richard. Yeah, you know, it's been many, many years since you could say Milan was in, in, in a European competition, so... When that Honda goal went in, it was just relief all around, all around the Milan world. It was just like, ah, oh, it's it's official finally. Yeah. They're not going to yeah. give up two goals. So, yep. um, and uh, you know, sixth place, it's locked up. Uh, no matter what happened with any of the other games, uh, and uh, you know, great to see them back in a European competition. Might not be the Champions League, which Galliani always said was in AC Milan's DNA. To be back uh, in a European competition is going to be fun to see. So, how about we go to uh, El Resto, match week 37. Ah, we gotten crazy about Juventus winning, Milan finishing sixth. We, we, we forgot, Richard, there's seven other games that were played with, with one yet to be played on Monday. Yeah, I, I, you know, that we're a little bit too happy in celebration mode that we forgot those other games played. Now, on Monday, it's going to be Pescara and Palermo, and I heard that they're just going to play that in just some regular park. They're not going to just... <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to want... No, I mean, they, they should make it free for people to attend that game. I, it's just... Um, who's going to that? And, and, and uh, big props to the... Uh, commentators that are going to be on the call for that game. I know that I'd, I'd be <laughs> stunned if, if, if Dre and Matteo were getting that game tomorrow. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, big credit to anybody who's going to have to sit and watch every minute of that. Um, I might, you know, I actually am not going to be around to watch it, so I'm I'm a bit fortunate. But, yeah, 19th against 20th, if you really have a craving for football tomorrow. Um, 
look for that. I think it'll be somewhere on maybe on BN Sports Connect or even BN Sports Connect might even say no. <laughs> so in uh, some of these other stations, you might have to find a deep uh, Italian language channel that might be carrying it. So, you know, and even that's a stretch. And that's not to be disrespectful to the Pescara and Palermo fans, but you're both going down already. You know, uh, you know, unless somebody scores an otherworldly goal, we're, we're not going to cover it. So, um, but let's get on to the games and we'll start with the games that took place on Saturday. The two teams fighting for the other automatic Champions League berth were both in action on Saturday. Roma was first traveling to Kievo and uh, a little bit of a surprise uh, in the 15th minute. De Paoli va al cross verso Inglese che la colpisce. Palinara Castro! Lucas Castro! E davanti il Chievo! Lucas Castro giving Chievo a shock lead and everybody was like, yeah, Roma, we've, we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just 13 minutes later, who else to bail him out but the Pharaoh? Il velo per El Sharawi, tutto solo. Salta il portiere. El Sharawi! La Roma pareggia con il lampo di Stefano El Sharawi! Stefan El Sharawi equalizing for Roma, but then nine minutes later, Bobby English shows up for another goal. La sua crossina era tutti liberi. Il colpo di testa per il gol del 2-1. Chievo davanti con Roberto Inglese. Chievo back in front, 2-1. And what was going on with Roma? They were letting in goals left and right. It's uh, like they didn't care to play defense. Actually, neither team looked like they wanted to play defense today or that day. Uh, it only took five minutes, though, for order to get restored. Mohamed Salah equalizing for the Jalal Rossi. Proporre l'uno contro uno con Gobbi. Salah guarda in area. Calcio Salah! E il pallone questa volta in porta! Richard, how about we just have the Lega Serie A guy just go through the whole recap on this one? <laughs> goal, <laughs> there were a lot of goal, goals in this one. Goal, goal, goal. <laughs> so, uh, Roma would take the lead for good in the 58th minute through Stefan El Sharawi. Uh, Mohamed Salah would get his brace in minute 76, and Capo Cananieri himself with this belter. Ingolan, Dzeko, sposta palla, calcio Dzeko! Eccolo qui! Il gol di Edin Dzeko! Il 5-2 della Roma! Aiden Dzeko gets to 28 goals, Richard. Wow. He's two away from 30. Can he do it next week? I'm sure he's... Yes, yes. You think so? They're home, they're home against Genoa. It is they're Genoa. Genoa. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, Mer- and, and you know, with Mertens and you know, and Empoli close by, um, it's gonna he's gonna have to put some goals in to get this uh, title. So, uh, yep, it should be fun. Yep, Bobby English with a consolation just three minutes later for Kievo. It ended five three for Roma. Uh, Eighty four points for uh, Luciano Spalletti's men. Richard um, Totti did get a cameo again at the end of the game. I talked about this in my blog last week trying to get Roma fans to understand, look, uh, Spalletti has done some wonders with this team. They're on 84 points, probably going to get to 87, Roma's highest total uh, since uh, Serie A went to three points for a win, um, and a total that in most other seasons would win you a Scudetto. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, but, yeah. but they're still, the, oh, we got Totti's got to play. What, what, what's going on here? You're, you're, you're doing damage to a, to a legend's reputation. So I mean, where where are you on this one? Um, I mean, I'm in the middle because I I see your side and I also see the side. You know, it's your legend. You want to see him play because you know it's his last season. But yeah. in this in this respect, Totti is not leaving the team. He's going to be still with the team, just in the yeah. management sense. So you should be doing what's best for the team in the sense that you want to get get all the wins you can because Napoli, hello, are right on your are right on your heels. Any slip up, and they're going to get second. 
Yeah. So and you, there's no time to miss. There's no room for error. You have to play your best 11 at all times. I mean, and if Roma want a, a playoff and they want what happened to get FC Porto all over again just so that a 40-year-old could have a few more minutes on the pitch. Exactly. And that's a Roma fan's prerogative. So um, it's just uh, it's, it's uh, mind-blowing to me. I would think you would want that automatic uh, league position and, that, and, and the money that goes with it. So, um, so Roma win. And uh, Toti, I think, will start against Genoa in match week 38, and I think they'll find a spot where they can bring him off and everybody can, uh, yeah. you know, salute him. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, um, well, I'll, you know, I'll wait, till, I'll wait till we talk about Lazio later. So never mind. Keep going. Okay. All right. Well, the other team that was in contention for the uh, automatic Champions League place is Napoli, and they have been on fire lately, and they didn't let up. A Fiorentina team that was coming to the San Paolo with a lot to play for because they were still in position – uh, for this uh, all-important sixth-place position, mm-hmm. uh, Europa League football and potentially the opportunity to save Paulo Sosa's job. Uh, Napoli got a corner kick in the eighth minute, and Fiorentina prop- properly, well, improperly defended it. Uh, <laughs> it fumbled around, and uh, a defender that we've been very high on over the last several weeks gets a very well-deserved goal. La battuta di Gulam, palla dentro, il colpo di testa da parte di Albiol, la respinta di Tatarusciano e il tapin vincente di Koulibaly. Kalidou Koulibaly, Richard, I think we're going to be talking about him next week. Yeah, he is uh, he's the one defender that Napoli have that has been Mr. Consistency. Uh, he's really their only good defender, in my opinion. Um, he's, their only, he's their only defender. He's their only defender, yes. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's great, and, and like I said, he's been good all season, and since he went to the, since he came back from Africa Cup of Nations, he's even been better, and he's been shutting down like the best of the best in Syria. So, um, yeah, good for him to score a goal. And Napoli were just all over Fiorentina in this game, and and uh, you know, really were pressing for the second goal. Mertens had a sitter that he just he he, he couldn't put away, but then in minute thirty six, time to dab. Lorenzo Insigne scoring another goal. What a season he's had. Yeah, little man has had a fantastic... Was he up to 16, 17 goals now? Yeah. I mean, but the the dab, come on, really? I thought that we were done with that last year. Wasn't that (laughs) Pogba? I thought Pogba took that to England, and he's still doing it. Hey, you know, he's bringing it back, you know? (laughs) He's bringing sexy back. Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? He's he's he he's got it going. He's scoring goals. Ventura will probably call him up for the qualifiers and uh you know, life's good right now if you're Lorenzo Insigne. Little man, five foot four. But he doesn't play he doesn't play like he's five foot four. That's five foot sure. four five foot four five foot four in heels, maybe. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, on a raised pitch. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so uh two 0 it was uh Two nil it was for uh, the Partenope going into halftime, and we talked about that Mandrice Mertens who wants to get hot on the heels of Aiden Jekko in the Cabo Caninari race. And uh, once again, it was some bad Fiorentina defending on a corner in minute 57, and Dries Mertens finally got the pounce. Tunnel su Gonzalo, no look, il tentativo di Amcic, la ribattuta di Dries Mertens, fanno 27 in campionato per il Belga. He would get a brace in the 64th minute, and those two goals would sandwich a consolation for Josip Ilicic for Fiorentina. Uh, Napoli, man, when, I, I made the comment on Twitter 
because this was the day before Milan played. I said, never mind the fact that Napoli are doing Milan a solid here. When they play like this, they're just jaw-dropping. They're one of the most exciting teams in Europe. Um, and, and they show weekend. We got all the goals they scored this year. Uh, I know it's not a record, but it's, it sure seems like it. It seems like every week they're scoring four or five goals. Yeah. Yeah, they just have uh, they've lit it up. I mean, they're the highest scoring team in Serie A this season. 90 goals uh, in 37 games. Roma with 87. Uh, you know, both of those teams are bringing it. I have a funny feeling with uh, Dzeko v. Mertens for the Capo Cananieri that uh, they're both going to be uh, trying to bag themselves a bunch of goals uh, in match week 38. And it's funny because Serie A has got both those teams playing at the exact same time while no other games are going on. And, you know, they're both playing poor teams. Uh, they're going to be scoring goal. Uh, we may see four goals by one of these guys. <laughs> um, let's handicap this. Uh, Roma hosting Genoa, Napoli at Sampdoria for second place for the automatic Champions League position. And I think, you know, that's probably the bigger reason why they're playing at the same time. Yes. Um, you know, the the the, the uh, silly the, silly to think that the Capo Cananieri is actually going to be the sideshow here. Uh, but it's still yeah, a prominent know, right? part. Yeah. yeah, it's still a, it's still a prominent part, and uh, you know Roma hosting Genoa, uh, Napoli at Sampdoria. I mean, the way I look at this, I think Roma. I, I think I think it's going to be just a matter of both teams winning. So Roma will automatically get second. I just think Roma are going to host a Genoa team that have all right. They've gotten their survival. They've they've gotten through by the skin of their teeth. Um, Genoa are just not going to care. Um, and, and Roma are going to take advantage. So they'll, they'll win to clinch second. Um, and I think Jacko is going to, uh, win this scoring title. He'll score two in this game. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know how many these guys are going to score that, but they'll probably score, you know, three goals and two goals respectively. I think Jacko will get the, will win it ultimately by one goal. Um, you know, Genoa are the weaker of the opponents. And I think Jacko will be able to feast off of that. Roma will be able to feast off of that. Uh, I don't see Napoli, you know, getting thwarted by Sampdoria by any stretch, but um, they have a little bit more to offer right now than than do Genoa. Genoa are just pretty pathetic. They had a couple yeah. a couple good games here and there, but yeah, they've given up. Yep, yep. Um, they didn't give up today, and we will talk about that uh, here in a little bit. But that's kind of where we look at uh, how things are going to go down. We think it's going to be as you were. Roma will finish second, Napoli will finish third, and Jeco will be Capocannonieri. But what do you think? Go to at Syria, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Tell us why we might be wrong. Uh, keep on moving with this slate. Uh, this one's an interesting one for me, Richard. I think we're talking about a team that might be playing together for the last time in front of their home fans at the Mape. Uh, so they sought to it to put on a show. Uh, <laughs> Boy, did they. Sass- and oh, did they. Yes, and Sassuolo got the party started in minute seven. It's a con Berardi that puts out for Magnanelli. That goal by the captain, Francesco Manganelli, uh, getting, uh, or Manganelli, excuse me, uh, getting the Nero Verdi in front. And just five minutes later, a very popular face uh, in the Sassuolo ranks. Sbaglia il rinvio Berardi, segna il gol del 2-0. Domenico Berardi getting on the score sheet for Sassuolo. And just a minute later, another guy that's going to stand to make a lot of money here soon. Adesso si è centrato anche lui. Politano prova a calciare! E anche questo è un gran gol di Matteo Politano. 3-0 al tredicesimo. Matteo Politano. So by the time Calgary blinked, they were 3-0 down. Uh, and then in the uh, and then it was uh, 
Marco Sao getting one back for Cagliari. Pensa al tiro, poi preferisce allargare per l'avanzata di Isla che mette il cross! Va a tagliare! And then Marco Barriello was getting one back for Cagliari to make it really interesting. Wait, wait, Mark, no, wait. Marco Barriello actually <laughs> scored on his own net. Sassuolo 4, Cagliari 1, and that's how it went at halftime. And fan of the Serie A sit-down, Pietro Iamello from the spot. Aquilani sul muro, calcio di rigore. Fischia l'arbitro e Iemmello fa 5 a 1. È il suo terzo gol consecutivo. That made it 5 to 2. And uh, another fan of Serie A sit-down, Arthur Ionita, uh, making it uh, making it 5 to 2 for the Sardinians. And uh, that would be all of the goals until a half hour later. Uh, Alessandro Matri decided, hey, why can't I score? Came on as a substitute. He got the sixth goal for Sassuolo. Uh, they win by six goals to two. Uh, Cagliari have conceded 75 goals this season, and they're in 13th. That's <laughs> ridiculous. That's incredible. Um, that's incredible. And Sassuolo now move up to 11th and are in with a shout to end up with a top half finish. You know, Sassuolo, we talked about the disaster that they were because of the European distraction. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're out of that, and – Boom, they're 11th, and, and they may end up 10th if uh, Napoli beats Sassuolo or Napoli beats Sampdoria and uh, if Sassuolo can win their last game. That's a curious case. I mean, we, we said we, we said you know, all season that, you know, the Berardi injury plus, you know, um, the, all the games in Europe is is really hindering them. And, and the fact that, you know, they're, they got out of Europe so early and then Berardi came back, the team finally, the ship finally got righted a little bit. And they've been on a pretty good form lately and with six goals today. I mean, geez. But like you said, I think most of these guys are going to be uh, – this is the last game for as a group together because guys are going to be going their different ways now, you know, get some contracts here. Just decided to go out on a bang. I mean, you take a look at this. Uh, you t- I mean, this is not – you know, they, they, the, April 1st they lost 2-1 to Lazio, but they have been undefeated in seven games. Wow. Uh, and that is a very quiet undefeated in seven. Well, not quiet, but I mean, some brand names here. They went to Atalanta and drew. They they beat Sampdoria. They drew with Napoli. They yeah. won it. They won at Empoli. They drew with Fiorentina. Beat Inter and and just hammered Cagliari. Uh, I'm going to go out and say this: they will finish at Torino. Um, get your abacus out for that game. Yeah, <laughs> six five game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that could be 6-5 easily. That could be 6-5 by halftime. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, interesting to see Sassuolo putting on this run. Fun to watch Fun to watch them kind of getting a track, getting on track here just a, a little too late. Um, you know, and it, it, with talk of Di Francesco possibly moving on, you have to think that we've seen the ceiling of Sassuolo um, and, and, and a number of these guys are going to be on to uh, bigger and better opportunities. But you, you never know. Uh, all right. Now on to a game where men were behaving very badly, Richard. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. But uh, Udinese, the home team, they did get on the score sheet through Cyril Turo just five minutes in. La palla sulla destra per Terò Rete. Il vantaggio dell'Udinese. Cyril Terò. And then Rodrigo Di Paul had a little bit of a rush of blood to the head in, on minute 47 to give Sampdoria a man advantage. Uh, did you catch what Rodrigo de Paul got sent off for? All the all the conversation is about what happened after that. Uh, yeah, he went up studs up. I think I believe is what it was, and it, yeah, it was just a bad foul, stupid foul. This is why playmakers should never go to ground and try to tackle. That's right. Um, 
<laughs> that's the first thing first thing they should learn. If they haven't been taught how to properly defend, they should never go to ground. Uh, but anyway, Sampdoria got a penalty through Luis Muriel. Muriel contro Scuffette. Parte Muriel. Destro, rete. Il pareggio della Samp. And it wasn't the penalty that uh, uh, is going to catch the headlines in this game. Luis Muriel, former Udinese man, put on a little bit of a show celebrating in front of the Udinese Ultras. Uh, the captain for Udinese, Danilo, did not care for this too much. A uh, little bit of a scuffle leading to Danilo getting his hands around Muriel's throat. The referee saw fit to send both men off. Uh, so the match finished up 10-9 v in favor of Sampdoria, but the game itself ended in a 1-1 draw. Bizarre scenes from the Friuli and signs that these guys need a vacation. Was Vince McMahon at the match, at the match or something? It was very WWE-esque. I was waiting for chairs. <laughs> <laughs> People coming out from the crowd. I thought, I, I, I thought your NWO boys were going to come out, you know? I mean, one team was wearing black and white. So That's right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's, uh, y- you know, I mean, I didn't see, w- Okay, so Muriel was being a jerk in front of the Ultras. Does he deserved to get sent off for that. He didn't do anything else. He didn't cause any harm on any of the Nazi players. Or... No, he didn't. I think it's because he mean... riled them up, maybe. But you know, the funny part was after he got choked out by Danilo, uh, he acted like he didn't do anything. He's like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. He's walking away like, I don't understand what happened. <laughs> I think he just got sent off. I think he got sent off for his own safety because if yeah. that referee kept him on, the next Udinese man was going to was going to make sure that he didn't walk. Cleats to the chest oh. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so it was probably for Luis Muriel's own good that he got sent off in that game. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, two teams that uh, we talk about Sampdoria, they're they're hanging on to tenth right now, and Udinese, uh, you know, sitting there in twelfth, mid-table teams. Uh, maybe Sampdoria we expected a little bit more out of, but when you talk about Udinese and, and Luigi Del Nelli doing a really nice job riding the ship and you know, kind of getting them upward a little bit. Can Udinese get any more traction and maybe move up a little further next year? Yeah, I mean, Del, Del, Del Neri's done a, a pretty good job this season considering where they where they started out. Um, you know, could they get a top top half finish? It's possible. I mean, the teams, there are a lot of talented teams. We have to see where the cards fall as far as transfers go. Um, if you kept the current teams as far as next season, it would be very tough. But I, I see a lot of player movement going on, uh, especially in the upper half of the of the of the teams of the of the table. So yep. it's very possible. I mean, Del Neri, you know, he's did a did a good job this season, and with another year of experience uh, with with the team that he has, they can only go better, right? Yeah, so. yeah. No, nowhere to go but up, and I think that he he's he's the right man for that job. Agree, agree. Um, you know, so I mean, I think it's I think a t- the c- two, 2017-2018 will be a success for them if they have a top half finish. I don't know if they can expect to be a top six team. Um, you know, a lot of it will depend on how these young players grow that they've got. I mean, and I mean, their scouting team, can they still conjure up the magic and find that one or those one or two players that, um, you know, can get them to uh, where they were in the Guidoline days. So um, it's, uh, you know, a bit of a departure from those days, but uh, you know, you never know, but uh, sitting 12th, Del Neri's rescued this situation a little bit from the mess that Yakini put them in and uh, has, has done a reasonable job and certainly looking forward to what he can do with them next season. Uh, Empoli nil, Atalanta won uh, in the 13th minute. Uh, a certain man got a certain call-up for his national team that has been long deserved and celebrated by doing this. 
Offre il pallone a Freuler, può pensare alla conclusione, pallone inverso Gomez, l'argentino ci prova col sinistro ed è in vantaggio l'Atalanta al tredicesimo, Empoli 0, Atalanta 1. Papu Gomez, Richard, finally uh, getting an Argentina call-up. Yeah, um, he's, he's, he's played fantastic this season um, he, and it was, it was a long time coming really. Uh, despite his uh, diminutive size, as it seems to be all Argentine players, I guess. Anyway, um, he 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 should have been playing for Argentina for a long time ago, and and the fact that you know this hard fought season, that the, the goals he's put in, the assists he's put in, um, it's finally he got the deserved call up, and it's uh, good to see. Will he, will he get much playing time? Who knows? But at least he gets a call up, and I'm sure he, that's the ultimate thing that he cares about is being called up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult in the camp. I mean, when you the attackers that Argentina have at their disposal. Jeez, Luis, no kidding. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even put defenders out there. I would just put, I mean, the, the skill that they've got. And, I mean, the other team should never even see the ball. Exactly. So, exactly. I, no coach has come up with a tactical plan to get the best out of just 11 playmakers and not play any defense. You so. know, they should go to the old Hungarian system. What was it, like two defenders and, and, and eight attackers, or what was it? You remember that? You remember that old formation? Hung, Hungar- Hungary? The Mighty, the mighty Magyars, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, with, uh, with Pushkas, yep. Yeah, that's right. They had. Yep. Uh, they should go with that formation, with all the attacking power that they have. Uh, Argentina could have two, three good teams. You know, that would probably finish top three in you know the world. Yep. Let's... Flip to the other side, though. Empoli losing. Uh, yeah. So Genoa safe. Empoli 32. Crotone 31 for that last spot for survival. Crotone will host Lazio. Empoli travel to Palermo. Uh, how do you think this goes down? Ooh, it's going to be a tough one for definitely Crotone because they got Lazio. Because Lazio just got, you know, oh, we'll get to Lazio later. But um, Crotone, you know, they got they got their they got back to reality today after losing to uh, Juventus. They were on a what six game win, win uh, undefeated streak. Um, it's going to be tough against Lazio. Um, you know, Empoli definitely have the easier matchup, but Palermo they've been playing spoilers in the last few weeks. Uh, maybe they just they want they, they like nothing better than to see Empoli get relegated by their hands. You know, bring them down to Serie B with them. So uh, I, that's gonna be the I, pretty, I think that's gonna be the the two games I'm gonna watch the most. Just so I want to see that relegation battle. Who wins that? It's gonna be. I'm, I'm still hoping Crotone get it. Odds are that Empoli is gonna get this. You know, based on who they're playing against. But um, I'd be ecstatic, and I know most of Serie A fans are gonna be ecstatic if Crotone somehow pull this out of their ass and and stay up. Because he definitely deserved. Whether they get it or not, it's deserved. And I think that Crotone have to win and Empoli have to just fail to win. So Empoli, it's got to be a Crotone win and yes, Empoli yes. or draw a loss. Because if they match on points, I think Empoli has Crotone head-to-head. Yes. Uh, so Crotone have to that's, win, basically. I could see Lazio shipping this in, you know, because they're yeah. fourth. I mean, they're an automatic Europa League spot. I mean, they could end up, you know shipping it in and Atalanta finishing ahead of them and it's not going to matter, you right. know, except for the difference of a couple of million euros, uh, just for your table position. Um, but, uh, with, you know, Lazio having nothing to play for anymore, they've got the Europa league place. They can't lose that. They can't play for champions league. Um, you know, I could see them being in a situation where they ship it in where Empoli have to be the one, they're, they're the ones that travel. And I'm just trying to create a positive scenario for Cotone to do this because this would be, one of the top stories of Serie A if they pull this off. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, bigger than Juventus getting the, you know, six in a row. Um, well, maybe not as big as that. Uh, Atalanta's story this season and some of the other things that have been that have been going on. I mean, I think Cotone being able to make the great escape would be the icing on the cake on what's been an unbelievable season uh, in Serie A. Uh, so uh, let's see what happens. I mean, I'm not rooting against Empoli. Um, you know, I'm not really rooting for Cotone. I'm just saying this would be a great story if it happened. Um, you know, and uh, and uh, good on um, – you know, good on Cotone if they can pull it off. I mean, I could certainly see, like I said, I could certainly see a scenario if Lazio just decide, hey, there's nothing to play for. You know, we're not going to risk our stars. Uh, we're going to probably sell Cato, so we're not going to play him and risk getting him hurt where we can't get anything for him. Um, I'm only saying that because Cato's rumored to be sold. Uh, you know, and some of these other things that Lazio may do now that there's really nothing to go for at this point. So, um Moving on to the team that is safe, Genoa. Uh, boy, they made it hard on themselves, but in the end, they were able to uh, uh, put it together and uh, survive relegation. We felt, hey, don't leave this to match week 38 where you got to go to Roma. Get this done against Torino at home. And uh, that's exactly what they did. And uh, in minute 32, it would be Luca Rigoni. Pallone dentro e c'è il gol, il gol del Genoa che passa in vantaggio. He got it started and then a familiar face and a man who has been a spark in this Genoa team, uh, Diego Simeone's son, Giovanni, getting at it again. Poi Simeone col tacco trova il gol del 2-0, Simeone che bacia la maglia. A consolation on a set piece from Adam Liaic, it actually it took a Flexion off a defender, so I'm surprised that Lijic actually got credit for the goal, but it's it's neither here nor there. Genoa survive, and you know, Richard, I said in my blog, I think Ivan Juric is 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 the most restrained manager in Serie A. I think he gets that award, don't you? Oh yeah, but definitely. I mean, God, just to see him break down the other other week, you know, during Prescott post game conference, uh, the passion he has, and it's unfortunate that his players aren't playing have the passion that he does because clearly he cares. Nobody else on the team cares. But they, oh, today's matchup, today's you know result, will give you a little glimmer that they, they, they have a little bit in them. But, man, uh, it's, I don't know. A team like that should not be where they're at right now in the, in the table. Um, they were eight, They were like eighth or seventh at one point. And they should be. You know, well into the season. Yeah, they should be contending for a top half finish. But, no, they didn't even look like it for most of the season. How much of this? How much of this was losing uh, Mattia Perrin? It's gotta. It's gotta be a lot because I mean he is a very good goalkeeper. At one point he was the heir to Buffon's throne, but um, there's a new. There's a new. There's a new prince now. Uh, but Perrin, you know, he's you know, for as much or as little as that defense can can put up, um, Perrin's been there to save him game in and game out. He's a quality goalkeeper, and when he lost him. That's when they. That's when everybody else realized how how good he is. Uh, they their their stock just went down after he left, and you know they, at one point of the season they look they look very menacing at home. Um, there'd be teams like Juventus and Milan at home, but you know when Perrin left, looks like they were just the same. They were a shell of themselves basically. So um, you know hopefully Perrin comes back and if he stays with Genoa then. You know, hopefully that'll help Genoa be more consistent for uh, the entirety of the season. 
Yeah, I, it's it's when you don't have the guy that you rely on back there in, in, in goal for long periods of time, it does make a difference. So um, as Milan fans, we just shudder at the prospect of uh, Donnarumma getting hurt. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen. So, uh, But no, I mean, I think that that had a little bit of an impact. I mean, you know, Eugenio Lamana is certainly not Mattia Perrin in terms of quality uh, at that position and maybe even the respect that he might uh, command uh, from his defenders. So, you know, those are some things that uh, certainly do come into play. Uh, Torino just, they look like a team that are just playing out the stretch. Does it, does it officially now start to trouble you that Andrea Bellotti has not scored? And it's been a few games now. I mean, if we thought there would be a bounce back, it would be this game. Yeah. Um, but does it start to trouble you now, at least from an Italian national team perspective, um, that it's, it's been a few games now? It, it gives you a little bit of a worry to you're thinking okay was this just a form or or is it cl- or is he actually actually class um but i think it's just a small worry i think it's just a fact that one the team doesn't care anymore like you said um two the you know a second time around against some of these teams you know italian defenses are going to figure out how to shut you down um mm-hmm. it's it's how it is belotti's got to find a way he's young still he's got to find a way you know to Keep keep progressing his game, changing his styles, because because the good defenders will learn will learn from you the first time they play you. The next time they play, they won't make the same mistake. And then a little bit of the, his his teammates not uh, feeding him the ball as they were early in the season. So it's a combination of many things. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think the big thing was the team stopped caring, um, and they pretty much just wrote it wrote off the last month of the season basically. I think Urbano Cairo said it after the Napoli game. He says uh, he said my guys are on holiday already. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. They, they're playing some of these games where they should just uh, they should just get the they should just get the beach towel out and just put it down on the pitch and get the suntan lotion on and just lay and get their tan and it just because it's it would probably be an improvement on what they're doing now. So um, you know, Joe Hart's going back to England. You know, the talk about Belotti, what will Torino do? A lot of talk, a lot of talk going on with them. They're going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, in the uh, in the summer and some of the things that they do and the moves that they make, uh, keeping number nine will certainly be their utmost priority, and it may not happen. Uh, so we uh, we shall see. But they're they're a team that that looked bright, looked attractive, looked a lot looked a lot of fun to watch, and then all of a sudden just tailed off. Uh, so we'll see if they can uh, pick themselves up and be ready for the 2017-2018 season. Uh, the Sunday night game was Lazio hosting Inter, and with Milan clinching sixth, uh, it took a little bit of the shine off of uh, this game. Um, certainly a brand name game, uh, but not much for either team to play for. Uh, Richard, did did Inter read my blog? They must have, man, because they look fired up, didn't they? They're scoring goals and not giving up goals is the big thing. I think between, up, I think you fired them up, man. Between that and my Bernie Mac tweet about Roma, I, I sum them up. <laughs> <laughs> I riled I riled some people up over there on the peninsula. I think <laughs> I'll take credit for Inter's win too. So um, maybe I should just maybe I should just uh, uh, write about um, uh, maybe I should just write about negative things and just say negative things about AC Milan and I'll win every week. Hey, but your so. favorite your favorite player scored today for Inter. Uh, we'll get to him in a, we'll get to him in a minute. Okay. He's showing some form. Um, all right. But, uh, the, the, 
I, I expected Lazio to walk all over Inter. They would come off this Copa defeat. They'd be mad, and they would just destroy Inter. I don't know yeah. how you felt about it, and it looked like it was heading that way with a penalty from Keita Balde. Keita Balde batte Andanovic e porta in vantaggio la Lazio. Dopo 18 minuti, Lazio 1, Inter 0. Sono 16 in campionato. That happened in the 18th minute, but then all of a sudden Inter felt like playing. Uh, and in minute 31, it would be this equalizer. Va con il destro a cercare il colpo di testa. Ha pareggiato l'Inter. Si è inserito Andreoli. Who else to threaten your goal but Marco Andreoli, Richard? <laughs> Who? Sign him. Sign me up. I want, hey, put him up front. <laughs> so, but uh, he, he, gets the, uh, he got the rare start in a three-man defense. Uh, for Inter, the way it looked like they were shaping. I don't think it was a three. It was a four-man defense, but D'Ambrosio was playing on the right, and Nagatomo was playing on the left. Uh, UEFA.com will show you that they had three in the back, but they didn't. Um, and then uh, Lazio took the lead through Wesley Height in the uh, 37th minute. Oh, wait, no. Um, Wesley Height scored on his own goal and gave Inter the lead 2-1. So, I gotta read these better, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, that was 2-1 to enter at halftime, and then yes, to put it away. Okay, Ader, great. Good for you. You scored. Roll the clip. Con la punta la tocca verso Brozovic all'indietro. Perisic in aria, il salvataggio poi Eder! Eder, Lazio 1, Inter 3, al minuto 29 del secondo tempo. He still sucks. <laughs> oh, man. What, what a... I'm just, I'm just going to say that about him every time. What's the point? So. Oh, Ader. Poor Ader. Too late. Just just, just too late and playing for pride kind of thing here for Inter? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, who knows? They're, a, they're a, such an oddity. Um, and actually, you know, the funny thing is, you know, two of their best players all season were pretty quiet during the game, Perisic and uh, Icardi. Um, Icardi wasn't even on the pitch. No, that's why he was quiet. Then. That's why he was, he was, he's injured. I don't think he's playing the rest of the season. Oh. <laughs> so That would explain but a yeah, lot. Yeah, Perisic. Perisic in particular didn't do much in this match, and I know they had Brozovic, uh, you know, kind of in a you know higher central position with Kandreva. Um, I just thought, you know, no Icardi, and I thought Icardi was the one guy that cared on this inter team down the stretch. I thought Lazio would win this in a walk. Um, I thought there would just be a bunch of guys trying to look at look at each other and figuring it out. Lazio, so. Lazio had one good moment in this match, and it wasn't a Keita goal. It was um, the supporters actually. I don't know if you saw this. They held up a big banner. Um, doing a tribute to Totti, I thought that was marvelous for being a, such a you know fierce rival to to pay tribute to Totti, you know, crossing a rival. It was a fantastic gesture by the fans. I think Fair play, only, absolutely. That was the only good thing I, I saw from Lazio, you know, today. Bravo to the uh, Lazio fans and the ultras uh, for doing that. That was uh, that's first class. Um, absolutely makes you makes you appreciate the league even uh, even that much more. So. Um, uh, yeah, as far as Lazio and the overall performance on the pitch, uh, Coppa Italia hangover, you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was a little bit shocked at the system getting handled the way they were at Coppa Italia. Um, they thought they had a fighting chance, and and they didn't, you know, obviously didn't get the the result they wanted. Um, and clearly, the players are still thinking about it because Inter came up and gave them a good slap in the face. Um, so if they don't get their act together, they got a, another team next week in Crotone that's gonna. Uh, he's gonna try to push them around because they want they want to stay up in Serie A, so they need to get their act together. Or um, we'll see. Yep. I don't know. Yep. 
a lot. Like we said, we we talked about this. We kind of touched on this here with, uh, uh, you know, Lazio. Maybe not much to play for, and that might be the the uh, the saving grace here for Crotone. You know, in their in their efforts, uh, Inter. Uh, you know, not nothing to play for either. You know, they might as well hit the beach. Uh, who is their match week 38 opponent? They are at home to close things out. They play Udinese. Um, you know, could be just one for the pride. We might know who Inter's new manager is this week by the time, you know, we get to match week 38. Uh, what do you make of the thought that there were talks with Diego Simeone? Um, I thought they were a little bit premature. I, I thought there was no way that Simeone was going to leave Atleti uh, going into the first year of the new stadium. Um, and that kind of confirmed things today when he made the announcement uh, before the game. Um, yes, that's ultimately the guy they need, but like I said, it's going to be it's at least a year away. Um, and you got to find someone in the meantime. I thought Pioli was the guy, but apparently not. Um, so Simeone is the guy, but like I said, he's going to be there. He's going to he's a safe Atleti for the next for next season for sure because he wants to open the new stadium and bring them a title before he goes. So, so who wants to be the renter coach at Inter? Do you think? Who wants it? I don't know who wants it. Um, who'll take it? it? Depends who, how much money they'll pay. I don't know if it. I can't see him getting a big name because everyone's going to know that Simeone is going to be the next guy there, and you don't want to be the guy before him um, being being on the hot seat the whole time. I don't know. It's. I mean, maybe Vecchi's going to keep it. I mean, I doubt it. Um, it's not going to be. A big name? I, I I don't think so. It could be a, an upcoming name, sure, but um, it's not going to be one of the one of the heavyweights. Sure, sure. It's strange things because I mean, I you know, they've they've had some big names mentioned along with this job besides Simeone. Pochettino even was a name that came up. I, I I'd be stunned if uh, you know he left the situation that he's in at Tottenham for yeah, yeah, no. uh, for for Inter. Um, you know, and then and then they they're gonna round up all of this money for Conte. It looks like Conte's gonna stay at Chelsea. Yeah. You know, so I think they're left with trying to find a manager that is looking to maybe revive his career. Um, you know, I, I still don't rule. In the, there's still the Spalletti connection. It's just it's 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 clear as mud. I wish. Yeah. You know, we'll have to we'll have to talk to someone like uh, Nima here soon um, and see what he thinks and see who's gonna be. Uh, uh, steering the ship here in the next year. I want to say uh, about about Conti. I thought, I mean, I heard a lot of people talking about Conti possibly going to Inter, and I thought that was the biggest joke I heard in a long time. There's no way Conti is going to leave Chelsea with the season he's having to go to Inter after one season. No, there's no chance. I thought it was a zero percent chance he's going to Inter, and a lot of people I were talking to were saying, "Oh, you know, it's a good chance, and most likely it's a, it's a given now." I'm like, "What are you talking about? No, no, there's no chance. Why would you be on a team that you're dominating the league right now?" In your first season, why would you leave already with no, you know, without no Champions League? You want to, he'd want to stay there and try to win Champions League, win more league titles. I mean, come on! I thought it was yeah. a joke. I thought it was silly. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so right now we just we don't know <laughs> because uh, you know what we do know is that we don't know who's running things here at Inter, and we talked about this a lot last week. So if you uh, want to sign up for Inter. Send send in your vote to Syria. Sit down on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you have the answer for who you think the next inter manager will be, please go to at Syria. Sit down on Twitter uh, or on Instagram because Richard and I don't even have the foggiest. And being Milan supporters, this is something that we might know because we want to try to keep tabs uh, on our biggest rivals. So yeah. uh, 
let's jump in to some Serie B talk. All right. Some teams go up and they just go down. Some teams that are down uh, make the way up, Richard. And uh, let's uh, finally give some credit to some teams that will be in the top flight next season. Yes. There are two that we know of. And uh, first and foremost, congratulations to Spal on winning Serie B, uh, better known as Societa Polisportiva Arelebor. Yeah, this is called Spal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll just call it Spal, because that's a lot to say when we have to do the Serie A sit-downs next season. Yes. There might be a time where I'll break out and say it once or twice, but I'm not going to do it more than that. Um, so Save it for the big uh, occasions. Uh, let's tell you guys a little bit about Spal so we can get familiar. you can get familiar with it. Um, they are based in Ferrara, Emilia-Romagna, uh, and uh, won the title on 78 points. Um, and, uh, they had been in the top flight, uh, well before Richard or I were born. Um, actually they last played in Syria in, uh, the 67, 68 season. So after 50 years, uh, they're returning to the top flight. Uh, their best finish was fifth. That was in the 59, 60 season. Um, and, uh, their current roster right now made up of some uh, names of players that uh, uh, are loanies, and it'll be very interesting if they're going to be able to hang on to any of them. I made the comment that Gianmarco Zigoni, who is on loan from AC Milan, I would suggest could remain at AC Milan if if, if there's a big change at the uh, on the attacking side of things, uh, and he would be a depth guy. Um, uh, you know, no real. Name Sergio Flockery is on this team, Richard. He's a name from the past. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cristiano Del Grosso, who was on loan from Atalanta, and I would imagine would go back to Atalanta given all the changes that that team is going to probably undergo. Alex Meret, um, the goalie? Al- Alex Meret, the goalie, who got his opportunity as a third stringer uh, in recent World Cup qualifier against Albania and the friendly against Germany to back up Donnarumma and Buffon. Uh, another name that jumps out at me, uh, when I look at this roster, Richard, Gabriele Marcagiani. Yes. That's a name from the past. That is a, the son of Luca Marcagiani, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Uh, those who are uh, Italian football historians, Luca Marcagiani uh, was a goalkeeper for Lazio uh, in the 90s. He was the uh, second string goalkeeper uh, for the Azzurri in the 1994 World Cup. And in fact, I think he made an appearance or two um, in that competition. I think Saki played everybody uh, in that World Cup. He rotated so much, it was just ridiculous. So, uh, thoughts on Spall and their chances? Uh, are, is this just a nice story that they won Serie B and it's going to be hard for them to have the resources to, to make a dent and stay up? Yeah, I think I think it's it's going to be a a nice story, and it's they're going to be one of the bottom feeders. Unfortunately, I don't see them. You know, one they don't have the resources to to get the players to you know to compete in Syria. But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice story for sure. But I don't see. I'd be very surprised if they stayed up next season, after next season. Yep. Also joining them uh, is a familiar name, a uh, a team that has uh, that went down last year and has come right back up, and that is Hellas Verona. 
Um, Excited about this. Yeah. Uh, Verona Derby's yeah. back. Yes, the Verona Derby's back. Hellas Verona v Kievo. That'll be uh, that'll be exciting. That'll be good to talk about. Uh, led by their captain Giampaolo Pazzini. That's how bad it has been at Hellas Verona. They made Giampaolo Pazzini captain, <laughs> um, but he actually led Serie B with 23 goals this season. Yeah. Um, and uh, plenty of experience when you look at some of these names. A lot of bell ringers here for me. Romulo still with the team. Eros Pisano. Uh, Marco Fossati, although he's on loan from Cali, you're probably going to go back. Albertazzi. Uh, Albertazzi, uh, who was at Milan for a cup of coffee, uh, and thankfully only that. <laughs> um, and then uh, young player Mattia Velotti, who was in the Milan ranks and then uh, ended up uh, going over to Hellas Verona. Uh, Franco Zuccolini, another uh, familiar name. So Simone Gans, uh, another one on loan from Juventus. Yep, I'm on from Juventus. Um, so there's some names here, Richard. There's some experience that could suggest that uh, well, they could they could put it they could put a scratch in this thing, couldn't they? I I actually like the makeup of this team a lot, um, I, and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be safe next year. Uh, the, I've watched some of the games that they played this season, um, and you know, I was I always enjoyed them when they played in Syria. I think they're with. Pazzini, he's he's very knowledgeable of Syria. He's been several teams. He's always scored when he's been on whatever team he's played on. Um, I think Hellas is going to give a lot of teams trouble, uh, especially in the beginning. They're going to, and with that crazy fan base, they're at home. Um, oh, they're going to be such a fun team to watch, and so and so exciting. I can't wait. It'll be uh, it'll definitely be a lot of a uh, lot of fun to see them back in the top flight. Uh, you know positive team to watch from the they're only going to contribute to the attacking style uh that we've seen from Syria here this season um and then uh what will happen here is that there will be a playoff uh one team one more team will get promoted out of a possible six uh yeah you have to earn your way back up if you're one of these guys so let's just uh break down here how the preliminary round is going to work um, I believe uh, tomorrow and Tuesday are the preliminary games, just one off. Uh, the fifth place finisher in Serie B, Benevento, uh, will play eighth place Spezia. Uh, and then the other preliminary game is sixth place Cittadella, uh, taking on seventh place Carpi. Uh, Carpi in the, in the uh, Serie A last season. Uh, any quick thoughts on those games, Richard? Um, Benevento's had a pretty good season, as so, as so has uh, Spezia. So that should be actually a very intriguing matchup to watch. It should be very well played. Um, and I think the winner of that matchup actually could uh, could be in the challenge in the mix to uh, get promoted because both those squads were very good this season. Benevento has been a fantastic story, actually. So um, that'll be my pick to watch for sure. The concern with me with Cittadella and their they they score goals but they concede goals. Yes. Um, you know, 42 games, scored 60, conceded 54. Um, you know, Carpi might try to tighten this thing up, um, you know, you know, as far as that game is concerned. Uh, basically, the uh, the winner of the Benevento-Spezia match will take on Perugia. Uh, that is a familiar name for those of us that watched Serie A in the 90s. Yes. Um, <laughs> actually, it was a Perugia reference on my uh, Pieces of Me pod. I heard it, uh, yes. <laughs> Involved Rossi, uh, I know that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Cittadella, uh, 
Carpi, the winner of that, will take on Frosinone, who was in Serie A last season as well. So um, I'm going to just, you know, not knowing a hell of a lot about these teams, I will take my shots here. All right. And uh, I'll say Benevento beats Spezia, and uh, I'll go with Carpi over Cittadella. So it'll be Benevento in the semifinals against Perugia, and then Carpi taking on Frosinone. Uh, now the winners of those semifinal will play a two-legged final, and I think all of these games are encapsulated over the space of two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. Of, I think it was. Would you say like four games in a two-week span? Yeah, uh, you're going to have to earn it. Yeah. So a team like if you're Benevento, Spezia, Cittadella, Carpi, those teams all have would have to play four games in that time frame. Uh, you know, where Perugia, Frosinone, they'd have one less game because they're they're getting a bye from the preliminaries. So. Uh, those are one, one of those six will grab the remaining promotion place, but congratulations from Syria sit down to Spal, uh, and Hellas Verona. We look forward to learning a lot more about you here, uh, in the coming weeks. Any, uh, transfer, uh, talk, the Mercato, some things heating up here. Milan are, uh, uh, Milan are obviously making making some moves that they can't formally announce yet. Anything that uh, uh, anything that you think uh, came across uh, came across your computer that caught your attention, Richard? I know when they went out to finalize the deal with Ricardo Rodriguez, uh, they try they try to put a, a plug in to try to get Luis Gustavo as well from Wolfsburg, um, who would be a very excellent pickup. He's a very good central defender, defensive central defender, uh, defensive midfielder. Sorry. Um, and also, the name Belotti has been floating around with Milan. Um, Milan are obviously serious about trying to become contenders again, and a great way to do it is to get a good striker. Obviously, Baca, I don't think Baca's going to be gone. So you need someone who, Labadula's not going to be able to cut it as a primary striker, so you need to find a primary striker. And Belotti's name and Alvaro Morato have been, you know, been out there floating around. Inter have also been, you know, big names have been associated with them, but I, I find it's going to be hard, difficult for them to sign them without uh, Europa, European you know, football next week, next season. So um, those are the only two teams I really heard anything. It's been pretty quiet. I'm sure as soon as next week wraps up, we're going to hear a lot of more names, a lot more rumors. Yeah, the, the rumors will definitely pick up after the season ends. I believe uh, Angel De Maria was I, – yes. I thought I saw a brief blurb about him to Inter. I cannot, I cannot possibly see that happening. Or working. Uh, uh, who's the other one that you said? Um, oh, or working. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I couldn't see that working. Okay. No. Um, Patrick Schick is all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's all of a sudden some attention turned to him. Yep. Uh, you know, in the I, I had a conversation before jumping on doing the pieces of me pod with Waliga Gap, uh, who thought he read somewhere that uh, River Plate's uh, Sebastian Driussi. Uh, is linked with a move to Sampdoria uh, for fifteen million. Yes, I saw that too. Actually, I actually saw that too. Okay, that suggests to you that Sheik, uh, Muriel, or both could be on the way out because I know Muriel is a link to teams like Liverpool right now, um, uh, among some others, is where they've got some suitors. So, uh, and then we've got Kate Balde. That that whole thing has to get sorted out. He's a wild card. Yep. Yep, I think there's going to be some. I think it. I think this transfer, this mercato, this summer is going to be a domino effect. We're only scratching the surface, and and some of this is just speculation right now. Um, you know, certainly for us, the summer mercato is a lot more fun. The January mercato is a big waste of time. And, yes, yes. Uh, we made no secret about we made no secret about our feelings about that. 
uh, in our pods back in January. So, um, you know, so that's going to do it. And then uh, World Cup U20s today. Uh, real quick note on that. Italy, Uruguay, Uruguay uh, beating the Azzurini uh, on a screamer of a free kick. I can't remember the, uh, the name of the Uruguayan player. But uh, Italy are in the under-20 World Cup. Still yet to play Japan and uh, South Africa in group play. So uh, if you want to see some of the future stars, some of the players that the big clubs have loaned out to smaller clubs that are playing in that competition, uh, you know, you know, do check when they play and check them out. So, um, and with that, that's going to put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. Uh, Twitter check time. Richard, where can they get you? You could find me at R underscore Carmen. K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Excellent. And uh, you can find me at FTC underscore 21. Uh, you could also find the blog on the World Football Index website at worldfootballindex.com. Look for the Calcio Consultant. Uh, I'll have a new piece out this week, Richard. I'm not sure what I'm writing about yet. So um, we did the uh, rant about Inter and Toti fans in that last week. And this week I, uh, I'm, I'm, I have a couple of ideas. I'm just not sure what to do yet. So uh, you guys will just, if you're interested in reading it, you'll just have to find out when it's released. Um, but I also featured, uh, I was also the guest on World Football Index's 11 Pieces of Me podcast. Yes. Uh, was, uh, I had a, I had a lot more fun on that than I do doing Serious Sit Down. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, it's I, a fun pod though. Definitely. It is. It's a lot of fun. It was a great opportunity. I mean, to not only, I mean, I, you know, to pick the team, which I did obviously in advance, but to have the conversation with, uh, uh, with Gavin, with Allie, and to be able to, uh, you know, reflect on some players that, you know, really made a mark on, on my uh, appreciation for the game. Uh, and, and to be able to do that and to be able to have a podcast to speak that out was a lot of fun. And our own Richard Carmen gets to go next here later this week. That's right. I do. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to just going to say, Hey, we're going to have to listen to the pod. Or are you going to, you're going to give us one or two guys that you're going to, you're going to talk about. You're going to have to listen to the pod. Throw, some, right. throw some curveballs in there. Yep. 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 A teaser. You'll have to listen. But I think what we'll do, and we're going to get Mark Neal on next week, or we're hoping to, uh, next week's pod, just a, just for programming note. Uh, we probably won't have a whole lot of recap of match week 38, but we will go through our team of the season. We will go through our flop team of the season. Uh, we'll probably come up with a couple of other awards. Uh, we will have, uh, Team Frank's pieces of me versus Team Richard's pieces of me, and we'll let Rich, we'll let Mark pick the winner. Um, and uh, big preview of the Champions League final, Juventus v Real Madrid. And uh, by that point, we'll know who the two teams battling it out for the last promotion spot to Serie A and uh, weigh in on Mark's expertise. Hopefully, if he if he's joining us, and I, by all accounts, he is, um, uh, get his input on uh, who he. Uh, fancies to get that all important uh, promotion. So, that in mind, you can also go to at Syria Sit Down on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. We do thank you for listening as you have listened all season long. We do appreciate it. Uh, any comments, anything else you uh, want to hear in a future pod, please drop us a line. Uh, until then, please be sure to tell your paisans about us. Ciao.